I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. Welcome to the Rebel Wellness Podcast, where we embrace a holistic approach to personal health and empower women to break free from the noise of today's diet culture. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey to becoming healthier, stronger, and more resilient in this life. If you found this podcast, you might be somebody who is tired of feeling bombarded with unrealistic body standards and conflicting health advice and just ready to rebel against the one-size-fits-all approach to wellness. This is a great opportunity and place to create a lifestyle that truly works for you. And I want to welcome you to your new home for everything health and wellness without any of those influences. Rebel Wellness is rooted in the belief that true wellness goes beyond just diet and exercise. It's about nurturing our minds bodies, and souls in a way that aligns with our unique needs and values. So if you are new here, I want to extend a very warm welcome. And if you are a ride or die, hello again. So happy that you have returned. So if you are new to this series, I have announced a few weeks ago that this whole three months of summer is going to be what I'm calling hot take summer. So this is where I'm sharing my thoughts and professional opinions from experience on topics that you or all of my crew here in Coach by Kales have asked me about or sent me over the last, initially I kind of would say six months, like when the Rebel Wellness podcast was launched. However, this is also kind of a culmination of very hot topics that have been over the last two years, I'd say. So it's very recent stuff, but it's things that I think I've noticed become very kind of continually popular over and over again. So I know so many of these chats have been much anticipated since January, but I can't wait to talk it all out together. But I hope overall that you can feel confident in your own stronger science-based, experience-based, thought-based opinion, because I like to not only be rooted in true science, but also the real life experience, because we're always looking to test science, see if it works in every scenario. And more often than not, it doesn't. And I think that that's where we have to bring in this kind of like field experience with it, especially for females, because females' bodies are just so unique, so different. You know, they're, we're very much the same and very much different all at the same time. And so that's what I love personally about like women's health. And that's why I like am bringing as much opinions and various experiences that I've had, because just like all of my clients that I've, I've trained through pregnancy, not one pregnancy is exactly the same. There's similarities, but more often than not, there's a ton of differences and everybody will always ask me, did this happen to any of your other clients or whatever? Like what are the best tips that you would say for second trimester, et cetera. And I'm like, honestly, it's going to vary person to person. So same thing goes for these hot takes. I just wanted to kind of set that on the table so that you understand that a lot of this is my own personal experience, my own research, and my hot take. So it's not necessarily going to be the most perfect, well-rounded example or explanation for each of these different topics during this entire series, because that's not what a hot take is. A hot take is uh, supposed to be like, what is exactly my first reaction of how I would respond to somebody asking me about these. And I know like the Ozempic episode, that one I did 
deeper dive into research for because it is such a hot topic right now that I wanted to make sure that if people are searching that topic and look at it, that it's a well-rounded explanation of semaglutides and all of that since it is so popular right now. However, I do want you to know all these future hot takes are going to be kind of like off the cuff, everything that I know on the top of my mind. And with that said, that's going to segue us into this style of today's hot take summer episode. But before I talk about that, I just wanted to remind you that I would love for you to rate and review our podcast to help it grow. And as well, you can join us in the Rebel Wellness Podcast community at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram or my flagship coaching page at Coach by Kales. There's a lot of really exciting things coming this way, um, especially throughout the summer. So I'd love to see you come join our squad over there. And if you haven't seen yet, our show notes are filled with really great info on these podcasts that include the timestamps and different quotes that are the notable phrases and um, concepts that we think that you should really grasp from each episode, as well as affiliate codes for a ton of different companies that I love and use myself. So definitely check out the show notes for anything that either I talk about in these episodes or any timestamps when you're trying to look for specific parts. All right, without further ado, this day of a hot take summer is going to be a little bit different because um, it's going to be a lot more like specific hot take. So it's going to be a little rapid fire. I'm going to cover several topics and um, not go super in depth with each of these because um, I think that they're important to touch on, but they're not necessarily important to make an entire episode on, at least in this moment. So as always, should you want to know more about it, or you think that I should kind of double back, if you want to go deeper, feel free to reach out, DM me on the at Rebel Wellness Podcast page. Or if you think that it was just perfect and you love this style of the hot take, definitely let me know too, because that's helpful. All right. So what is the first hot take topic? And it is juice cleanses. So juice cleanses, honestly, what I remember of them coming out the most popular was definitely in that, I want to say 2014, 2015 timeframe. It could have gotten more popular beforehand or later, but that's my recollection from being in the industry, like when it kind of like hit hard and all these different little juiceries started popping up. It's definitely a very like kind of LA type of uh, diet or nutritional concept, I guess, because it, it really takes so much produce and then just squeezes the juice out of them. And it's honestly quite wasteful. Um, and you honestly lose a lot of like the benefits of fiber, which is extremely necessary for the body. So while it makes a lot of nutrients more accessible by like reducing the volume of food you have to eat to get them. I also have always had an issue with the fact that it removes a very important for your gut component to these vegetables and fruits. So for those of you who may not know, vegetables and fruits, well, let's talk a little bit more about fruit specifically, um, because they're kind of the main basis of a lot of this juicing and the juicing cleanses. So, well, wait, let me backpedal really quick. 
Juice cleansing. What is it exactly? So juice cleansing is typically a three to sometimes like 14 day. I mean, honestly, that's super dangerous. So that I hope people aren't doing that long, but some people have done juice cleanses that long. So that's why I'm including it. But a standard juice cleanse diet is a three day all the way up to a seven day. And what it is, is basically you have like about five to six pre-bottled pressed juices that are a variety of vegetables, fruits, nuts, um, and water. And uh, you drink one for every different meal of the day or at different times. It kind of depends on what the system is that you're following from which place. And basically what it's supposed to do is um, allegedly create uh, detox you, help get toxins out, help remove bloat and um, supposedly help you lose weight, which in reality uh, just because you are just switching to to liquids versus solids, you're going to lose general inflammation or bloat in your intestines temporarily because there is no longer actual food particles going through your body that will cause a reaction in your gut. So you could have less bloating because it's just liquid, um, but that would be kind of more of like a temporary or phantom response. It's not actually because it's helping you. It's more so it's just you literally removed solid food particles from your diet temporarily. And again, that's not natural and it will change the enzymes in your gut for digesting bigger food particles, solid food particles, which is why a lot of people have bad reactions reintroducing food after like a seven plus day juice cleanse. So there's a lot of different things that can kind of come with it, but I wanted to make sure you understood what juice cleansing was. Um, there's a variety of it as well. And this isn't the person who juices some green drink in the morning and has that. This is a person who's specifically doing a quote unquote cleanse where all they're drinking is a variety of these pressed juices. Okay. So I want to make sure you understand that, but going back to what I was saying, when you take a naturally occurring component to fruit, such as removing the fiber, you are then making those sugars much faster acting in your body. So fiber is a component in fruit, not only just because it's actually part of the plant, but also it helps your blood sugar have a better response when you're eating that fruit. So yes, fruit contains sugar. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you could overeat fruit, kind of but it's still probably not the reason somebody is in an excess body fat position. Um, that's like, they always joke that like, you've never seen a fat monkey um, in the sense that like monkeys who live off of like mangoes and stuff, if the sugar thing was true, that they most likely would have been, they would show that they're overweight monkeys <laughs> and that's not a thing. Um, same tends to go with humans. Uh, it's not very common that you see a human who dominantly eats just fruit as their sugar source in a overweight or obese body fat percentage category. With that said, it's because it's very beneficial to have fiber involved with your sugar from your fruit, fructose, whenever you eat it, because this is going to cause a slower blood sugar reaction, not a super slower one, but one that is much slower than taking just straight the juice and the sugar from the um, fruit itself and then creating a beverage that you just kind of chug. So while it's an easier way to kind of drain some of the nutrients out of fruit and vegetables and roots and stuff, like people will put ginger and different things, cayenne, etc. 
Um, there's not a lot of evidence that those specific nutrients in that form, in a juice form, are better for your body. And the thing that's kind of funny about detoxing and cleanses, like with juice in general, is that since it is so high in sugar, it's also can be higher in fat. If it's a nut milk version, they do have that, but it is nearly impossible to get protein involved with juice cleansing. It's almost never incorporated some juice places. Like I've done, like a lot of my clients know, I always like to test things out on myself before I develop a full opinion. And I don't just research or have any hearsay. I like to do it myself. Um, I've done three juice cleanses. I've only done the three day because um, through my research, it just was like not smart to do anything longer than five days. Um, and I was not willing to commit to no food for five days. I actually think I did try. I tried the five day and I quit on day four because I was like, yeah, this, this is dumb. <laughs> but um, for the reasons of experiencing what a person would go through and how my body would react, the thing I liked the least about juice cleanses was um, first off reading the nutrient labels. It was just very high in sugar, moderately in fat for some things and no protein. One of the places had like protein on the bottle. And I was like, I don't read any ingredients on this that would be putting protein in here. So, cause you don't get like one of them had like 10 grams of protein and it didn't have nuts or anything in it. And even at that, you don't really get protein out of nuts when you juice them. Maybe if you're blending them, I know a lot of them blended in, but even at that, it's not enough nuts to be that much. So I kind of called BS on the labels and I don't really know um, this was up in Oregon. They don't have as strict of a nutrient labeling process as California. Um, I grew up in California. California has very strict like nutrition facts rules for different companies. And whereas in Oregon, it's kind of like up to you if you want to put your nutrition facts on things. So I don't know if anybody actually fact checked this place. I can't remember the name of it. Greenleaf. Yeah, I think it was Greenleaf. So sorry if you're a big Greenleaf fan or Greenleaf person is listening to this. <laughs> I question their nutrition bottles. <laughs> but anyways, the first thing that I noticed that I didn't like about it was that my mouth kind of got this weird film on it from so much sugar and the enzymes from the fruits. I would say that started happening day two the most. And it was honestly really uncomfortable. I, I didn't like it. It kind of almost made that like, what is that joke? They say that like your teeth feel like they have sweaters on that weird, like fuzzy feeling. I don't know how else to describe it. And I noticed that just the fact that all I was doing was drinking fructose and sugars and carbs and not really getting that well-rounded kind of balance, fats and proteins and fiber to like help clean my teeth off when I'm like eating it. I really didn't like that. Like I brushed my teeth like four times a day because I was just totally not enjoying that experience. I don't know if you've done a juice cleanse and you've experienced that too, but it is not what's up. Another really important thing to understand is that Going on like a liquid diet and switching to like juiced fruits and vegetables isn't going to actually promote better detoxification in the body through your liver or any of your detoxification systems and organs in your body. This is just a fact. They've actually studied it now at this point since um, juice cleanses have been around for at least over a decade now. Your liver will detox just as well eating whole rounded meals of 
mostly whole sourced food items every day versus you removing all these food items from your diet and doing liquids only temporarily. There is no specific benefit to you eating a whole salad with grilled chicken on it and whatnot compared to drinking a green juice out of a bottle and that being your only meal. Um, you end up messing around with your metabolism a bit because you're probably under consuming calories because each of those drinks is usually only like a hundred. If it's a green, if it's like a vegetable juice only, it's usually like in that hundred calories, 175 calorie zone. And all the way up to like the nut milk ones can be in like the 300 calorie zone. But if you're only having four or five of those a day, you're still only getting like 1200 calories a day or so. And it's strictly from liquids. So you're going to feel depleted, hungry, depending on your hormonal situation with part of the month you're in, you could also have some kind of negative reactions in that zone too. So there's a lot of negative points to juice cleansing that I find to not be worth it. And they also cost a lot. Typically, if they don't cost a lot, they're probably using like bargain vegetables, <laughs> which is questionable about drinking all that condensed pesticides and things like that. Wherever you stand on the organic or non-organic side, it's still just a little bit like, yeah, not sure I like that. So all that to say, I would err with caution about doing a juice cleanse. The literal only thing I will say it could be beneficial for, um, because of my experience with it one of the times, was that it does kind of reset your relationship with food if you start to get a little out of control, because it kind of forces you to just focus on your actual like day-to-day -day life temporarily because all you have is like liquids to consume during that time, like let's say a three-day period, and you come out of it probably really craving solid foods again, but at the same time, you might not have quite as much uncontrollable urges towards solid foods like you did before, at least for me and some of my clients who have done it on their own they did also confirm that like it kind of makes you consider what foods you're eating um, day to day a little bit better, but it is fleeting. It's very short term. So the risk versus reward, I don't think is really there versus you just trying to get back on track with like well-rounded meals that include a good quality fat, a good quality protein and a um, whole sourced carbohydrate and things like that. So that is my hot take on juice cleanses. I think I covered as much as I could off the top of my head. If there's anything I missed, that would be why, but hopefully you can kind of understand and see my perspective on juice cleanses, especially because I have done several of them myself and I've watched a lot of clients in the past do them and then just fall immediately back into their own bad habits with their food before we even got to kind of get into relationship with food and macronutrients and better understanding the food you eat, why you eat it, etc. So hope that was helpful for you and you have a better understanding on juice cleanses. Okay, so the next topic is on water fasting. And um, a it's been lately getting like a lot more attention based off of leading to rapid weight loss and detoxification effects. So I'm kind of following the juice cleansing with this one because it's another version of uh, some people's understanding of trying to biohack or something like that with their health. When in reality, it's not always necessary. A huge, it's important to note that a huge reason people are kind of fascinated with fasting is that 
the body is actually very good at taking care of itself when it's in an unfed state. So fasting literally just means unfed. So you don't have food, food still chilling in your body. So it's at least after like four or five hours of eating, your body should be completely done digesting and be completely in an unfed state. So fasting, sometimes like I've had the previous episode on intermittent fasting, where you eat in certain windows and water fasting is actually you just remove food altogether for a period of time. And the thing that's really interesting about this topic is that I don't want to go into too deeply because I don't think hardly anybody should be doing this, mostly for the fact, especially for females, because we require food more consistently daily than men, because our body system is so concerned with protecting and keep at least for the premenopausal women, I'll preface that. It's so concerned with protecting us from being in an unfertile state and a well-fed state is a fertile state most of the time, not an overfed, a well-fed. So well-fed meaning that you are eating adequately for your lifestyle and body's needs. So with that said, water fasting, if you're removing food from your diet and you're only able to drink water, I don't think anyone should do this without being A, checked by a um, medical professional, and B, they should probably be doing it under medical supervision as well, because removing food from your diet can make you lose a lot of your essential nutrients and such, especially depending on how long you do it for. And some people can manage all right, especially males. Uh, Males can definitely sustain something like this longer just by pure physiology differences uh, with their hormones and their needs. And again, female bodies want to protect us and keep us able to make babies. So we have like emergency systems that shoot on way faster when we're even just like half a day out of food. So I don't know if you've been like me before and you've not eaten like skipped meals because of being too busy with something. And then you get home and you're like super lightheaded, like you feel like you're going to pass out or you're super ravenous and you want to eat whatever you can get your hands on because you're just hella cranky. That's because your blood sugar is like, yo, figure this out. We need food. And so water fasting can be really problematic for females because we get very aggressively reactive to not having sustenance. (laughs) So to feed us throughout the day, if we're awake and moving, Um, if you're asleep the whole time, you know, that's probably fine. But um, again, I don't think that there is a ton of benefits to water fasting for the everyday person, something that is probably acceptable for a short term experience for somebody is potentially trying, especially if you're somebody who's concerned that you are dealing with too much inflammation, you feel like you've just been eating a ton of junk and uh, your face is puffy, like you just feel imbalanced, you could benefit from doing basically like one big meal in a day with a ton of water and like give yourself just one day where you do that, but not weekly or anything like that. Just like a one-time reset. I have seen that help people before, or if you're sick, like with the flu, that's why your body naturally doesn't feel hungry is because your body actually just wants to fight the virus and get it out which means it doesn't want to think about how to digest and um, assimilate nutrients from food you consume. So it's honestly sometimes better when you're sick to reduce the food, how much food you're eating and what you're eating. And if you do end up going like a whole day when you have day one or day two of the flu, 
as long as you're consuming liquids that include electrolytes, that's generally okay. That's a natural system in the body. So it's the same concept as what people are trying to achieve with water fasting. However, I wouldn't use it as a means to lose body fat or anything like that. Because again, your body is really smart. It will adjust your metabolic set point to whatever you're doing. So if you are under consuming food, it's not stoking your metabolism or stimulating it rather. It's going to lower the efficiency of, well, it's actually being more efficient by lowering your metabolic output. So let's say every day you eat 1800 calories, you water fast, you're eating zero calories. All of a sudden your body is like, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. I need to preserve energy. So I can't keep burning 1800 calories like what I expect to get because of what she's been eating every day. I'm going to lower it to 1600. Okay, they didn't eat again, lowering it 1500. They're still not eating. I don't know what's going on. Let's lower it even more. And then you get a metabolism that is basically firing at, let's say, 1300 calories with your BMR. And all of a sudden you go back to eating food and your metabolism set point is really low. So it's at that 1300 calories and you're consuming food back at 1800 calories again. Well, now you have a 500 calorie surplus to your metabolism. And this is where you usually see people who do that kind of like starvation diet and then they go back to eating or they binge suddenly put on tons of fat. It's their body's mechanism of protecting itself from you completely starving. This is where you see problems with crash dieting and things like that. So water fasting, while there's can be technically a lot more to it, the concept of just fasting for a period of extended period of days and only consuming water can be extremely dangerous. And you can't really easily replenish those nutrients by taking vitamins or things like that, because vitamins on an empty stomach can also cause a lot of issues, especially like B vitamins or zinc or any of those kind of things. I only know because I experienced that recently by accident. So there's, there's just a ton of problems with water fasting. And so all that to say, I highly don't recommend anybody use this uh, just open-endedly for some sort of technique to lose weight or detox, etc. I would just say probably don't do it. Okay, heading into the final rapid fire hot take summer topic, and that is continuing on this conversation, but with extreme dieting practices. So what does that necessarily look like? So we're going to talk about uh, extreme restriction of calories plus overtraining. <sighs> this is a this is a big topic. <laughs> this is something that honestly, if all of us were really straightforward and I guess honest <laughs> with each other, we've all done it before or a large majority of us have. I know I have, especially when I've been in times of desperation with my like weight or something going on in my life. The first time I actually went through estrogen dominance, some of you know the story already, but um, I was rapidly adding body fat without eating in a crazy surplus because I was going through this weird detox shift that occurs with coming off of birth control when you've been on oral contraceptives for a, an extended period of time. Essentially what happened was my ratio of estrogen was far too high in comparison to my progesterone. Progesterone inverses estrogen. So this is why it's really important in the female body to be balanced. If you don't have ovulation and cycle where oral contraceptives suppress that, you don't create natural progesterone. This is not the same as progestin. 
It doesn't work the same, even though it might communicate to the body the same as artificial progesterone. It's not the same as your body's natural progesterone. And if you're not getting that cycle through your follicular luteal phase, aka first half a cycle, second half a cycle, all you're getting is estrogen spiking and taking estrogen orally. So you get into this position where you have too much estrogen in the body and not enough progesterone to counter it. So that was a little mini birth control uh, lesson there. But basically what happens, and this is happening to a ton of my clients who've been on birth control for a long time, to my friends, et cetera. There's so many people that I know are going through this. And I, at this point, can kind of look around, walking around at the restaurants or shops, and I can pretty much tell when a female is most likely going through this situation because the body fat patterning is very much obvious, as well as like different signs, such as like a puffier face and a whole bunch of things. But we won't go into that too much. However... It's a, it's a big issue right now, honestly, and it's kind of being ignored by a lot of conventional medicine. I mean, what's new with that? But I remember going through that and I had to go to my own devices to kind of figure out what the heck is going on. And my first thought was like, okay, well, something to do with my birth control probably because those were fake hormones. And if those fake hormones worked well enough to instill a change physiologically um, with my reproductive system, obviously it could affect other things in my life. And that's something I get frustrated with, honestly, with conventional medicine again, is that so often I was told and almost all of my female clients have been told that their birth control isn't doing that. Their birth control can't be influencing their body weight. It's probably because they're just eating too much and this or that, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it could be true. And yes, that does happen. However, the common denominator is going on artificial hormones and just birth control in general. So when doctors write that off, it gets frustrating to me because I'm like, it wasn't a problem before I went on this and it's a problem now that I'm on it or now that I'm getting off of it. So you probably should change like the notes on these medications that there's no way it could be causing any weight gain. Like, anyways, I digress on that. But once I discovered that was probably what I was going through, I didn't know what to do about it. It wasn't super common on the forums and things like that just yet. And so I'm sure it was a conversation in certain areas of like the medical functional medicine field, especially for women's health, because it's not a new thing for them. It's just more prominent now. And while I was kind of struggling trying to figure out like what the heck is going on, how do I get a hold on this? My body like put on, it was like 17 pounds of body fat in the matter of three months. It was insane. And this never happened to me before ever. And a lot of people know me, they've known my body. I'm generally within the same like 10 pounds over the last 10 years. (laughs) So this was a very specific thing was going on. I mean, I was a private trainer worked out four to five days a week, strength training, ate well majority of the time. The only change that might've happened was I had a little more wine, like red wine and stuff frequently throughout the week, but it wasn't more than maybe three to four glasses a week. And that's like light drinking for a lot of people. (laughs) So um, at first I thought maybe it was the wine. So when I cut that out and nothing really changed, I was like, okay, what is this? I was like, I want to do everything in my power to make this stop happening. I don't know what is going on. I'm going to make it stop. 
Therefore, I'm going to track my macros, but I'm only going to eat 1400 calories or less a day, things that I always tell my clients never to do. And then I started like running. I was running up and down in the hills because I lived up in Forest Heights up in Portland, Oregon, if you know where that area is. And I was hiking a ton. I was just like up my cardio because everything keeps saying the things. And even though I know that weightlifting burns more fat at rest, I'm just going to do the cardio thing because la la la. And guess what, guys? None of it worked. None of it worked. If anything, it made it worse (laughs) because like I've told you guys before, if you heard it on the previous podcast, but if you haven't, I'll reiterate again, cortisol is the mechanism that makes energy, generates energy to sustain long-term cardio sessions. That's literally what cardio needs to keep you moving. If you run out of energy, it means you stopped utilizing cortisol, which means you are not moving anymore. (laughs) You're not running anymore. You're not cycling anymore. Whatever your cardio endurance training is of choice, you cannot access energy without cortisol. That being said, if you're already in a high cortisol state from stressors in life or uh, work, you are probably going to be in an even further cortisol state. What I later learned as that spurred my interest in learning better for female hormones, that actually was exactly where I started becoming really interested in female hormone nuances. But cortisol and estrogen are like the buddies that deposit fat. If you have excess cortisol and excess estrogen, it's going to code to just deposit body fat. I won't go into the science of it, but that is a well-known thing. And so basically I put myself in a position where I was already high estrogen. Now I'm high cortisol because I was stressed because I was running my own business. And it was like the first full year of, or second full year of running it all on my own um, post-college. And um, so cortisol out the roof, estrogen out the roof. I was the perfect storm for putting on so much fat and just being really just hormonally puffy. Like if you've gone through it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you can even look back at my old photos from that time. And it's just, it was a mess. So all that to say, it's important to understand that There's bigger things going on sometimes, especially with fat loss and uh, fat gain that you can't really explain. And so trying to do rapid weight loss with extreme dieting practices is most likely the wrong way to go about it. Like I just said about the water fasting, anytime you drastically reduce your calories, your body is going to reduce how much it burns so that it can keep you alive. And that means that you're not trying to burn more fats because you're eating less. That's kind of a misconception. I mean, okay, that could be taken wrong. (laughs) Let me say that in a different way. Um, And again, I'm speaking strictly to females because this is more of a hormonal mechanism by our metabolisms based off of what our body is meant to do and preserve, aka fertility, regardless of if you want to have babies. Anytime we reduce our calorie input, what we're eating, and output what we're doing, we are going to be putting our bodies in a position where our metabolism is going to lower. It doesn't necessarily slow. It's still moving at a pace. It's just not as robust in how many calories it's burning when you are consuming less and doing less. If you are consuming less and doing more, 
same thing goes because now you're trying to protect your body because you're overdoing it with what you are expending. And then your body is like, whoa, 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 we may not have enough reserves. So what it ends up doing is it lowers your metabolic set point to match what you are consuming and try to maintain what you are expending. That's why when you're consuming less, you do tend to feel a lot lower energy and you can't really keep running as far and as long. And maybe your recovery is not as good. You might start to actually like catabolize your muscle because your body is probably underfed on protein. There's so many reasons that it's just a really bad strategy to try to lose weight fast. And literally I've seen so many of my clients or heard so many of my clients try to do this in the past um, where they just crash diet and crash dieting is just, you know, under eating calories massively, skipping meals, whatever, and then trying to do so much cardio. Usually it's running because honestly, if you haven't been bombarded by just run the fat off on any type of dieting platform or any type of platform in general, that has dieting content on it, you'd be lucky because it's literally everywhere and it's the biggest scam and it's the worst thing for the female body because it's just a stressor. Like your body's mechanism of running is literally for you to get away from something. There's no other reason that it's purposeful. You know, we've turned it into an athletic sport and we've seen what it does to the female body when they do it too much as in amenorrhea or the female athlete triad where they basically lose all fertility in general because they stayed too lean and too stressed for too long. This is a huge problem that we deal with, especially with women who have been taught to like hate their bodies and constantly punish it by running more, running more, running more. And I wish I could just tell you that A, your hips are too curvy for you to run safely for very long. You might have to get a hip replacement in your 40s or 50s or early 60s if you ran for more than 10 years in your life. So for those of you who might fall in that category, take care of your hips, do band work. (laughs) But for the majority of females, we do have a more aggressive curve in our pelvis, which means our femurs don't track healthfully when we run and running is a repetitive motion. So if you've ever had hip pain or hip soreness, um, I know I do when I had a little running phase in my early college years, which was honestly just a way to escape the (laughs) problems of my relationship at the time. So there's a lot to be said about what people use running for, whether or not that's really healthy, even though they think that they're channeling energy into something healthy. Oftentimes it's not. When I look back at my most chaotic, strict time in health and fitness, I was the most unhealthy and had the worst relationship with my body. So even though people might've thought Kales was like super fit and this or that, Yeah, but I was probably had complete mud for blood work and I was stressed out and I was overtraining and I was over restricting on food. It was just, it was a bad time. It was such a bad time. Um, And I'm loving seeing more like fitness girls talk about this concept because so many it's, and it's nice for me even to see so many women being real and being like, yeah, I looked like this, but this was not my healthiest point. I was not healthy internally, not healthy mentally. It's almost kind of sad and cringy to look back at that time because while I was proud of the things I achieved, it was just not a good time for me to reflect and be like, oh, I wish I had that body again because what it took to get that body was extremely unhealthy, extremely disconnected from myself and not very much self-love. So getting to a position now where maybe I have a little more body fat, maybe I'm not training as intensely, 
but I have a lot more relationship to myself. And I hope to encourage you to find the same for yourself with this. But same goes from running the femur thing with the pelvis. Your pelvis is curvy. It goes outward because it's a little bowl for a baby potentially. (laughs) And that puts your hips at a bad position for running. So if you have a partner who's a male and they just love to run and they wish you would run with them and this or that, but you just feel like complete crap every time you run with them or you can't keep up or whatever, just tell them, I love you, but you can do that on your own. I'm going to do other things (laughs) because it's just not worth it to put your body through that stress and impact because there's just diminishing returns on that exercise, in my opinion, again. So many people do love running and you do you, but for all of us who don't like it at all, dare I say hate it, um, just sit back and don't run. (laughs) You can do so much more for your heart health that does not involve running. Um, Because again, like I said, it's a mechanism for safety so that we can get away from things quickly. Like it's only become a sport for women within the last like 60 years, perhaps. It's not something that people were just 800 BC being like, I'd like to go on a jog today. You know, no, you're probably preserving your strength and your energy for if a bear came and attacked your tribe or something like that, you know? So, and that is just, that is a real thing. Um, I would not recommend long-term, long-distance running for really any any females. Just from my experience, strength train, band work, high-intensity interval training, perhaps, if it fits with your lifestyle and your needs. And uh, you'd be surprised. Just lift heavier and faster with good form. And you're going to be amazed at how much of a heart rate increase you get from that. It always surprises a lot of my clients when they get like a cardiovascular reaction to weightlifting properly and heavy enough to stimulate that. I've ran 5Ks without any training just because I weightlift enough with enough intensity. And that will be surprising to know that it doesn't require a lot to be in that position. And so just know you can get a lot of cardiovascular benefits from weightlifting or things like kettlebell swings. Like there's a ton of stuff you can do. All that to say, you do not need to do extreme dieting practices to achieve good fat loss results. And all the best results are going to come from patience, time and changing your habits. And it's not sexy. And I know you hate to hear that, but long lasting results do not come from short term dieting phases or extreme things like that. So I hope that you better understand all of that and that all three of these hot takes were um, informative to you and that I wasn't too rambly because (laughs) it's very interesting just to kind of like free flow and chat about these topics, but it is a very raw, hot take on all these things. This is what I would say if a client asked me face-to-face in session. So again, if this was helpful for you, I would love for you to share this with anybody you think might learn something today. And I didn't really touch on a ton of medical stuff, but I do want to just remind you that this is not intended to replace professional medical advice. It's presented to you for educational purposes only. So do not be using it as a substitute for a consultation with a qualified healthcare professional. I am not a doctor. So please consult with your doctor if there's anything that you really wanted to make changes with your health routine. Um, But again, I don't recommend any of these things I talk about in this hot take. So don't 
consult your doctor about any of it. Um, unless it's considering getting off birth control, I always recommend that and shifting to the natural cycles way. That is just so much healthier for your body. And um, I know it's going to suck and it's going to suck in the beginning. I have clients going through it right now, but it's so worth it. It is so worth it. Um, and it helps you become just completely in tune with your body, which is a whole level up that I think a lot of females are missing out on by muting everything to do with any of their <laughs> natural cycle um, by using any form of oral contraceptives, Implanon, Mirena, IUDs with you know any of the hormones in it, aka Mirena, but just letting you know, those are all in the same category. They all make changes to your natural cycles and your hormones. So do know that that is important for you to explore if you're dealing with some health changes that you cannot understand. Maybe that'll be a hot take for next time. I don't know. You'll have to tune in and find out. <laughs> As always though, celebrate your strength and your nourishment, walk with confidence, and I will catch you next week on another episode of Rebel Wellness. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, we have some exciting news for you. We've recently launched an Instagram page for the Rebel Wellness podcast, where we'll be sharing inspiring quotes from every episode, behind the scenes moments, and updates about upcoming episodes. So be sure to follow us at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram to stay connected with our community. And it's growing, so I'm really excited about it. That's not all, though. I also want to introduce you to at Coach by Kales, which is my flagship fitness and wellness coaching business, as I am so passionate about empowering individuals like you to live their healthiest and most enjoyable lives. So if you would love to join me there as well, follow my page for daily inspiration, fitness tips, nutrition tips, sometimes even healthy recipes as well as debunking more myths around the health and fitness industry in general. By following both pages, you'll be joining a community of like-minded individuals who are all committed to living their best lives as well. So don't hesitate, hit that follow button and join us on this journey to wellness. Again, thank you for listening and I hope to catch you on the gram.